thank you, Hillary, for reminding us that all we need is love. Hello, Pathway family. How's it going? It's so good to see you here and online. If you happen to be new at Pathway, we do want to say a special hello to you. If you're tuning in for the first time online, please let us know in the comments using hashtag new at Pathway. I do want to tell you up front, if you're visiting, we are not a perfect community. In fact, we fail often. But here's what I love so much about this faith community and many faith communities in our area is that we never stop trying to figure out how to love God and love people a little better than yesterday. And I don't know if you have noticed, raise your hand if you watched the news before you came to church today. Perfect. Raise your hand if you have a social media account. Yes. So to all the people that raise their hands in home as well, have you just noticed that the world is a little unruly right now? Have any of, of you found yourself watching the news or looking on social media and finding yourself frustrated with what's being said, frustrated with what you see, disappointed sometimes in what we see our friends post, say, text or email? All month long, we have been learning about what the Apostle Paul has been teaching the Corinthian church. And I'm going to try to recap this really fast. But I think what Paul really understands is that a faith community is so important. No, we are not perfect. None of us are. But the goal is to never quit trying how to love God and love people a little better than we did yesterday. Through all the Apostle Paul's teachings, we can see that he is certain that all we need is the power of love. In our second week, we learned that a lot of us do really want to know what love is. And then in our third week, we kind of learned that sometimes you and I give love a bad name. And sometimes we can be hard to love. We might be sitting by the person in our life that's hard to love. Don't look at them. They know it. You know it. We don't need to talk about it. But still, even still, Paul reminds us that the love of Jesus that was shared with him is available to us as well, to somebody like you and somebody like me. Paul's advice is super simple. All we need is love. But you know what can complicate things? We can. It's so fun to know that sometimes we are the solutions, but also we are the problem. And here's what I mean by that. We give love not because other people deserve it. We give love because we understand that God has already freely given love to us. Paul wasn't always a great follower of Jesus. If you've read anywhere in scripture about Paul, also referred to as Saul, this is his Hebrew name. And in fact, it's such an interesting read. We put it in your message notes that you can find on your app. We put his early life down at the very bottom. And we are going to dive into 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and really go through verses 8 through 13. But I love Paul as a writer. Because I love what he is saying. He's given us very clear instruction, but he's also showing us how to bring people along. Paul got a lot of things right, but in the beginning he got a lot of things wrong. And in fact, in the beginning of his mission in life, he was no friend to Jesus. He was absolutely no friend to those who followed Jesus. In fact, his main goal in life was to go knock on the door of Christians, drag them out of their homes, 
and torture them and beat them just for following Jesus. So how can a man that disliked Christians so much do an entire 180 to go from persecuting Christians to equipping Christians to love God and love people better? And his simple advice rings true even in this transition of his life. All we need is love. Paul was on his way to Damascus one day and he met Jesus. And when he met Jesus, his entire life did an entire 180. See, can you imagine disliking a group of people so much that you're verbally and physically abusive to them? We don't see any proof of that in our society now, do we? Can you imagine being so filled with the understanding that you are right, that your one job is to tell a group of people, a group of people, that they are absolutely wrong and you are so passionate about it that you would drag them out of their homes and make sure that they tried to understand that you were right and they were wrong? How could a man like that go from moving mountains into the lives of Christians to moving mountains out of the lives of Christians? And it's easy. When you experience the love of God through Jesus, everything changes. We've got some rocks up here. And in week three of our series, Pastor Rick talked about all of us have a rock in our life. And I like to use this analogy of my kids. So many times my kids, I say, clean the house, right? And then my daughter especially, she likes to hang on to one toy, and so she's cleaning the house with one hand. And I'm like, you would be such an effective cleaner if you just put that one thing down. And then when I say things like that, I hear God saying the same thing, like, Cheyenne, you would be such a more effective human being to love God and love people if you would just let go of some of the things you're hanging on to in your past or in your current situation. Some of us have visible rocks in our lives. Some of us have rocks that we can't even see. But we exist in the middle of what was and what is to come. And again, I love how Paul writes this. Again, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's just go ahead and dive into what verse 8 says. And we're going to look at what he actually says. So Paul is saying, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. So what he's saying is, if everything were stripped away, what would be left of us? Let's start with Jesus. This is always a great place to start. Paul's understanding of Jesus was if we put Jesus in a frame, this is what it would look like. A frame of absolute love. I'm not going to draw for you today. You're welcome. But we have no better picture of love than Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. But what he's saying in between the lines is now, if we put a picture of you up there, and we have an empty frame, if we put a picture of you up there, what would people see? If we took away your dashing good looks, your profession, your career, your salary, your social media status, your race, your gender, all of those things, if we stripped all of that away, would it be evident that you love God and that you love people? We can look at it another way as well. Imagine your life as a huge traffic sign, okay? Would your life point to the transforming, everlasting love of Jesus? Or would it point to our own accomplishments? See, Paul's saying, if we have all of the important things, 
if we have all the fancy things, if we have no things at all, if we are wrapped up in things, we're missing the bigger picture that God has called us to share love with whoever he puts on our path. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to look at verses 9, 10, and 12. And we're going to do some more analogies because, again, Paul's such a good writer. This is how he wrote most of his letters. And the verses are, For now we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Again, so many times we put our ability to love others and love God better in the box of yesterday and the distraction of tomorrow and we miss an opportunity to love God and love others better right where we are at. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to get really practical and name three practical things and we're going to name some questions of how we can really evaluate how are we doing loving God and loving people. And listen, here's what I know about church. In worship together, whether you're in the house or online, it's really easy in church to think about these things, right? Church is kind of like a first date. Has anybody had a good first date? I know we probably all had bad first dates. But a really good first date where you took a shower, you smelled great, the conversation was good. But in reality, the date only lasted a couple of hours, right? Sometimes I think worship is like that as well. Like, we can all keep it together and be nice to each other for a couple of hours, right? We can all show up and say, yes, I love me some Jesus, and yes, I'm going to go share the love and grace of Jesus Christ with as many people as I find here. It's easy to say. And so many times, God may put someone on our heart that it's very clear that we should be extending the love of God to them. And then we leave here. And then we get around that person. And because that person may be difficult and frustrating, we say, surely, God, surely loving them can wait till tomorrow. Or maybe the Holy Spirit lays something on our heart about something that we need to change about ourselves so that we can extend the love and grace of Jesus Christ with as many people as we can. And we're like, yes, God, I can change this thing about me. And I'm inspired and motivated. And then we leave here. And then we see that the world is harsh and unruly and rude and hateful. And we think, surely, surely, if they're not going to show love, God, why do I? Again, Paul's writing is so beautiful because he's trying to help us figure out where we exist between the partial and the complete. Loving God and loving others is 10% about what happens here in worship. 90% how we love others outside of worship. It's kind of like our marriages. Marriage is 10% about the wedding day or the first date, 90% about the work that it happens every day after you get married. Loving God and loving people is about 10% about how we love people that think like us, look like us, and act like us. It is 90% about how we can love others that look, think, and act completely different than us. See, Paul is saying we know what is. We know what we're aiming for. But in the middle, we all exist trying to figure out how to love God and love people better. So we're going to figure out how we're doing today. And none of us should be perfect. And if you are perfect, I need a mentor. Come mentor me. I need all the help I can get. 
But if we are really going to figure out how to love God and love people better, in your message notes, number one, is we get to practice love daily. And now we can kind of see some proof of that in Colossians 3, verse 14. And that verse says, and over all these virtues, put on love. That doesn't mean because you understand God's absolute love for you that loving others is going to come natural to you. You're going to have to work through a lot of frustrations that you may experience on behalf of the other person just to get to that place. Again, Colossians 3.14 says, Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect unity. Practice love daily. And listen, I know this church has experienced some big losses this year. And when we talk about love, the only thing that we can think about are the people that are missing from our circle, are the people that have gone before us. But what the Apostle Paul is saying is true, because God is love, and Jesus poured out his love for us. So if someone has gone before you, and all you can think about is how the person that you want to love is not here, you still have access to them. And every memory and every smile, and it's love that connects you. Practice love daily. If this is you, get around people that you can say their names around. My parents have passed, and I will tell you, we still celebrate their birthdays. We talk about the things that they love. We talk about the things that frustrated them. That's how we practice love daily, around those that are not still here. And I know, again, it's really easy to say, oh yeah, I can love other people. It's really easy in worship. And I'll tell you, I fail all the time. As we have started gathering back in person, I have noticed, because practice makes permanent, that I'm actually out of practice just being nice to people. Has anybody else, like, has that been a struggle? Is it just me? That's terrible news. Um, okay, so I'm the only one that's having trouble just being nice to people, even though I love people. The second week that we were back in service, these offering boxes over here on the side of the wall um, really caused me some discomfort. I was trying to help a friend find this offering box, and when I walked into the worship space, I had a few friends standing there, and they were like, oh, I bet Cheyenne can't even see that box. And then my second friend was like, can she even reach the box? I'm standing right there. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll let them figure me out on their own. And then as my third friend came down and knelt down to give me a boost, he said, here, Cheyenne, let me give you a lift. I looked at him, and I pointed at him, and I said, shut up. <laughs> and I walked away. And as soon as I walked away, my heart sank because I understood that I missed an opportunity to share the love and grace of Jesus Christ because I had brought my outside frustrations into a moment that God had provided for me to share love. Am I the only one that does that too? So many times the world comes in at each side of us, and when we get squeezed, what comes out reveals the character of our hearts. And in that moment, it was not love. I waited for my friend to come out of the ark worship space, and when he did, I was like, hey man, you remember way back in the day when I pointed my finger at you and told you to shut up in worship? And he's like, yeah, I remember that. He's like, I'm so sorry. See, we get to practice love daily, but when we get it wrong, it's important to practice making it right as well. And if we find ourselves kind of in messy relationships, whether it's we always seem to be working for a boss that's not good to us, or we always seem to find ourselves in a relationship with a person that doesn't understand us, if we find ourselves in any messy relationship, 
I would ask this question, and it's in your message notes. Maybe this is a question that we need to wrestle with. What is love to me? And we can find three different kinds of definitions of love in Scripture, and here they are. The first one is philia, and that is referring to friendship. Eros is referring to romantic love. And here's what's happening in those two relationships. Sometimes you and I can mess those up a lot, right? But in philia and eros, we are giving love in hopes that it comes back in return. When we are angry or upset, when we are talking about a philia type of relationship or an eros type of relationship, we are withholding love from the other one in hopes that we see it in return first. The Apostle Paul is not talking about these two types of love. And in fact, in many of the letters that he writes to many churches, he is talking about agape. And agape is a Greek word that you can find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It is about the unconditional type of love that God has for us. And what happens is, is that we give love not because the other people deserve it. We give love not because we have been given it into return from our peers. We give love because we have been filled with love that happened 2,000 years ago on a cross. Our responsibility is simply to give it away. And I will tell you, if you have a family, love is first shaped in your living rooms. And this what is love question is so very important because if you seem to find yourself in messy situations, this is a great question to wrestle with. And it's a question that I've wrestled with the majority of my life. And here's what I mean by that. Here's my family when I was a baby. I was so fortunate that I got to be adopted by American parents before I was ever born. And when my mom held me for the first time, she said, I'm going to spoil you rotten. And she did. And I'm still rotten. My husband gets to put up with me now. Um, but love looked so different as I was growing up. The understanding of how we love others is shaped by others. This is why faith community is so important. No, we don't get it right all the time, but we sure are trying. For me, love in my home was very conditional. I was only given love if I was behaving in the boundaries of what my mom set for me, which were not always healthy. Last week, we heard Chris teach about how the Apostle Paul was saying love always protects. And here's the dicey thing about love. If you love someone, you will protect them, even if what they are doing is wrong. And that's what I experienced in my, in my adolescence. When I was 15, there was three separate occasions, three teenagers passed out in my home, two of which were from alcohol poisoning. My mom would always say, Cheyenne, if if a child dies in my home, I'm going to go to jail, and you won't have me anymore. So my job was when a child passed out each time, my job was to drag them out of our house and answer the cops. But I did it. I wasn't afraid. I just understood that I love my mom, and my job was to protect her. But it never sat right with me. The two kids that I was with, and I couldn't leave their side, the two kids that I would hang out with, one of them was unconscious when they left for the hospital. The other one we were able to revive in my front lawn. The third one, I don't remember what happened to them. But this whole time I was thinking, this doesn't feel right. And I would always ask the question, is this love? See, my mind knew that my mom loved me. My mind knows that today, but my heart was confused all the time. 
and my heart would always ask that question, is this love, or say, this doesn't feel right. I would always be empty because I didn't understand if this is love, why is everyone so interested in it? And it shaped how I understood God's love. So when people started inviting me to church and saying, come experience God's love, I would say, no thanks. I've experienced love, and I'm not impressed. People would say, but Cheyenne, Jesus loves you. Just come experience that. And because of how love was shaped in my home, I was like, polite pass. Needless to say, love was not anything I was ever interested in. Until years later, my mom and I were at a restaurant, and my old high school principal came in. I had been long graduated. He had been long retired. And he came in, and my mom said, hey, do you remember Cheyenne? Wasn't she terrible? She just stood there and smiled. And now principals, if there's any principals in the house, I'm not afraid of many things. I am terrified of principals and people dressed up in bunny suits. Principals and bunny suits cannot handle it. And he got that principal stance, and I started getting real nervous. I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't been in school in 10 years, and he's terrified me. And my mom was like, wasn't she terrible? Tell her she was terrible. And he just stood there with that principal stance. And I'm like, oh, we are going to get in so much trouble, both of us. We're both in trouble now. She hit him again on the arm, and she was like, weren't you so glad when Cheyenne graduated? And he took that principal stance, he pointed his feet at me, and he looked at me, and he did not look at her, and he said, Cheyenne had a good heart, and she was a good kid. And I am so proud of the life that she has chosen. And in that moment, everything that I knew about love opened up to the possibility of maybe I didn't know everything there was to know about love. And if we are going to figure out how to love God and love people better, it's important to be a little choicy about who we choose to pour into us. What is love to us? What is shaping your idea of love today? What has shaped it them? What are you allowing to shape your idea of love? Is it about God's encompassing, transforming love, or is it limited by the scope of your own broken relationships? Everyone needs a faith community. Everyone needs a tribe. We see that in all of the Apostle Paul's writings. And here's my tribe right here. Here is my forever family. Um, this, is my, this is my husband, Matt. When we first got married, I brought all the things I knew about love to our marriage. So needless to say, the first few years were a train wreck because I just didn't understand love, right? Whenever we would fight, I was so shocked that he did not hurl my mistakes at me even as I was hurling his mistakes at him. And he would always ask these sweet Jesus-like questions like, how can I do better? And I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. The first family tension moment that we ever had, I remember thinking, oh, we're never going to see this family again, and I love them so much. And as we started making plans to be around them for the holiday, I asked Matt, I said, why, why do you want to, why do they want to be around us? And it was so simple for him. He said, because they love us. See, Matt's idea of love was shaped by his parents. They're on their 40-year anniversary right now. When Papa comes home from work, he still kisses Mia hello every single day. They understood what a transforming kind of love is. And they were able to love me and all of my difficultness through tension. How well are we doing 
loving through tension. Again, we can watch the news and social media for five minutes and know that there's tension. Are we contributing goodness into it? Or are we just contributing more chaos? 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 11 says, this right here, I think we can put it up on the screen again. If not, I'll read it to you. But it says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. I've read this verse dozens of times, but here's what really stands out to me. That second sentence, when I became a man, so let's say when I became spiritually mature, I put the ways of childhood behind me. I don't love the word childhood, so let's just put the word ineffective ways behind me. When I became spiritually mature, I had to be intentional about putting ineffective ways behind me. Some of us were raised by crazy families, and I will tell you that if that is you, your family loves you. They are only replicating the brokenness that was bestowed upon them as well. They are loving you the best way that they absolutely know how. I believe that 100%. However, our responsibility is not to carry on the legacy of our brokenness, but it is to carry on the legacy that God has given to us through Jesus. And if we are really going to love people and love God better, not only do we have to practice it daily, but we also have to give it away. We can see proof of that and everywhere in Scripture, it is a common theme. Matthew 22, someone asked Jesus, Hey, teacher, what is the most important thing? And Jesus is like, Love God, love people. That's all you got to do. The most quoted scripture in the Bible, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave. 1 John 4, 19 says, We love because he first loved us. Our responsibility is not just to be only grateful for what has been given to us through the love of Jesus, but also to share it and give it away as often as possible. And if we're waiting for someone to look like they deserve our love, we will be waiting forever. We give because we were first given. And now if you still feel like some things are kind of getting in your way of giving away love to other people, and let me tell you, I know people can get in the way of you giving love to them. It's normal. It's humanity. That's who we are. But here's a question that you can wrestle with in your message notes. The first question is, am I actually, do I give love or do I give my opinion? You can look at your last five text messages or your last five emails, and you can see proof. Are you giving love or are you giving your opinion? How about your last ten posts on social media? Were they building others up or were they tearing them down? On social media especially, there are so many statements that are being made in the name of unity, but they are not unifying anything. So when you post on social media, are you contributing peace into the world around you, or are you contributing chaos to a world that already knows how to do chaos on its own? Which one are you doing? Am I giving love or giving my opinion? For parents... How many parents do we have in the house? Raise your hand here in the house or at home. Yes, perfect. Here's some practical ways that we can give love away as well. Do we have any teachers in the house? Raise your hand or at home. Yes, thank you. Thank you all for doing what you're doing, navigating this crazy season. But right now, my kids are in virtual learning. So that means in a classroom, they're in a tiny little rectangle 
being taught by their teacher. Parents, if we want to practice giving love to our kids and to our teachers, stay out of the virtual classroom. You pass second and fifth grade, let your kids. And listen, I know it is hard. The first time, Kanan, he's a freshman in high school. We're so proud of him. But the first band meeting he had, those sweet babies, my goodness, there was 15 of them on a Zoom call. And Zoom is just a virtual meeting place where all of your kids are in boxes. And on that Zoom call, it was screeching everywhere because of the feedback, because none of those sweet babies knew how to push the mute button. Just if just two of them would have pushed the mute button, everything would have been better. But no one pushed the mute button. And in my home, there is an island. And my husband and I were listening to this meeting happen in the kitchen, and I just wanted to fix it. Like, Matt Davis had to body check me a number of times because I was chasing around the office because I just wanted to get into the office, fix all of my son's problems, and then tell all of his classmates how to have an effective Zoom meeting. Just let me do it. When Kanan got done, I mean, he was chasing me all around that island. I never got to the office. He kept me from the office. But when Kanan came out, Matt and I were both like this in the kitchen going, because <gasps> he'd been chasing me, trying to keep me out of the office. And I looked up, and I was like, did you figure it out? And Kanan's like, yeah, I figured it out. And I was like, oh. So here's the cool thing. When we let our kids figure it out, one of two things happen. Either one, they figure it out, and they understand that God has absolutely equipped them to do exactly what they are called to do, even if it doesn't look the way we're going to do it. The second thing that happens when we let our kids figure it out is they fail. This is probably the hardest thing for parents. But here's the cool thing about failing. When they fail, they figure out how to figure it out. And again, understand that God has equipped them to do things way differently than I would have done them, but at the same time, to figure it out. Do I give love or do I give my opinion? For those of you that are physical distancing at home, I need to tell you, you have a huge opportunity to share the love and grace of Jesus with as many people as you can because there is a number of people that are never thinking once about walking through a church door. For you, loving God and loving people better may look like just a kind word or a smile to a stranger our attitudes when we're driving on the road, or anytime someone delivers to our home, it is us showing them an overabundance of gratitude for what they are doing. Your opportunity is huge, and we would love for you to be a part of that. So also, relationships. Again, relationships can be our rock. Because so many times we think, okay, I'll give love to my spouse if I receive love from them. So many times... I'll be nice to my friend if my friend stops talking bad about me. So many times, I'll do what I'm supposed to do at work if my boss is just nice to me. Remember 1 John 4:19 says, we don't love because of what's happening around us. We give love because it's already been given to us. We love because he first loves us. And I understand, like, in the context of marriage, like, that's hard. In 2015, Matt and I have been married for 15 years. But in 2015, that was our hardest year of marriage. I had made a personal commitment to myself that I would never use the words divorce in our marriage because I believe, and I think we can find this in scripture too, I believe that what we plant in our minds will flourish in our lives. But that year I was so done of fighting and struggling 
that I said the words divorce twice. And yet my husband showed me the most excellent way, just like the Apostle Paul is showing. Matt picked up this book called The Love Dare. And if you don't know what The Love Dare is, it is awesome. But it is a daily devotional on how you are extending love to your spouse, even if you don't get anything in return. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all things, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of things. So what that saying is, is that we are called to practice love and give it away often, not so we get it in return, but so the love of God can sustain us through anything that the world or the people around us throw at us. Give love away often. Practice it daily. And if you find yourself still having problems understanding love, and listen, we are all in that boat. We are all somewhere on our journey. It is all different places, but yet we still have a responsibility like Paul is tasking us with, like God tasked us through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. We have a responsibility just to figure out how to love God and love people a little bit better than we did yesterday. And if we still feel like something's weighing us down in our life, here is our last practical application. In your message notes, number three, it's important that we receive the love of God daily. 1 John 4.16 says this, And so we know and we rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. So that means don't get distracted about all the things that frustrate you about people. Don't get distracted about how other people are treating you. Because we are called to give love. And now, I feel, I feel the need to say this. I said it in a different place last time. But you need to know right now that Scripture is equipping us to have love properly in the context of a healthy relationship. When Paul is talking to us about how we are to love others, he is talking about how God has loved us. There's nothing unhealthy about how God has loved us. Scripture is not equipping you to stay in a relationship where there is physical or emotional abuse. It's not a thing. That is not what the picture of God's relationship looks like with us, nor is it a picture of what the relationships we are called to have with others should look like. But Paul is trying to give us this great advice on how love functions properly in a healthy, meaningful relationship. And again, if we still find ourselves having trouble receiving the love of God, maybe our rock is too heavy, maybe our rock is, di is distracting, maybe we are just not even sure about this thing called following Jesus. Here's a couple of questions that you can wrestle with. And the first one is from my stubborn friends, and I feel like I can talk to stubborn people because I'm a stubborn person. But the question is, am I teachable? When it comes to love, we really try to give love our way. And even if we have great intentions, sometimes it's not well received. Have you ever done your best and given love and people just weren't impressed and you were like, what's wrong with you? I did my best. The question is, am I teachable? And my husband is a great example of this. Anytime we're going through something, he is asking me, how did I show you love today, Cheyenne? And of course, I usually have something sassy to say, but eventually I get in a good place. We started mirroring that in our children. But not only do we ask, how have we shown you love today? For our children, we ask the question, how has mom and dad not shown you love today? And then we let them say it. No criticism, no excuses, no defenses. Because when it comes to love, we want to be teachable. 
And if we want to know how we're doing in this area, practicing love, giving it away, and receiving love, the people that would know best are the ones around us. Am I teachable? And then the last one is this. Am I reachable? Both of these questions we can answer together. The answer is yes. But again, let's think back on that story of Paul. Paul did a lot of bad things. And then God called him to do this new thing because he met Jesus. Paul could have got stuck on who he was, what he had done, where he had been, and it would have completely messed up God's mission and purpose for his life. Instead, Paul let go, and he confidently and courageously moved into the new thing that God was doing in his life. And he's calling us to do the same thing. God did a beautiful new thing in Jesus. It's only when we experience the love of Jesus that we really do experience a complete 180 in who we are, what we've done, where we're going. And some of you are crushing it at loving God and loving people. I would encourage you, mentor somebody. Come alongside someone. That is exactly what the Apostle Paul was doing. He was coming alongside people because he understood that influence can happen when you invite someone to a conversation and continue it daily. Practice love daily. Give it away often. Receive the love of God. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And then after that, we're going to practice this because I think practice is good at this. We're going to sit. We're going to be still. We're going to get rid of our to-do lists, what we're going to have for lunch, all those distractions. We're going to put it aside. We're going to rest in the presence of God. We're going to reflect on his great love for us so that when we leave here, we leave filled and ready to share the love and grace with whoever God puts on our path. Paul tells us his closing line, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You are God's greatest playlist. So let the word of God fill you, fill you up, so that you can share the love with everyone. You say I'll be okay. 
picture of how to love God and love people with a picture of you. See you in the crossing. <laughs> 